Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ridgeview Church. Like Joel said, we're so glad that you're here to uh, worship with us. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the, the lead pastor here, and we're so glad that you uh, decided to spend uh, your morning uh, with us. As I was driving to church this morning, I was reflecting on uh, how it's easy to take it for granted that we get to, to gather, and I was just thinking uh, about this time last year, we had just started gathering together in uh, the park, and I'm thankful for being inside with air-conditioned, so... Right? I think we, we appreciate that. But it really is something that, um, like life, we tend to go through uh, the motions. We tend to do the things that we always do. And on Sundays, it's like you, you have a choice. Do you go to church? Do you not? Uh, but I think, like I talk about regularly, when you make that choice and you're here, like you guys all are, you're actually in the prime position for God uh, to work in your life, uh, to speak to you, and uh, to help uh, with whatever that you're facing. And so this is something that is very special a time where we can actually be together as the community of the church. And if you're relatively new to Ridgeview or not, we're so glad that you've decided to join us. And we are continuing a series called Back to the Basics, and it's really looking at the fundamentals of the Christian life. That is, what are the things that you need to keep coming back to again and again and again so you can continue to grow? And that is, what are the things and habits I need to do so that God can continue to speak to me and as he speaks to me, I can continue to, to make choices and decisions uh, that, that can actually make me a different kind of person. And so the core of this is like transformation. So it's interesting when you think of basic, it seems like something that you, you move beyond. But it's actually as you continue to do these basics or spiritual disciplines and these types of things, you, you actually experience a changed life, which is exactly what, what all of us need. And so we've talked in this series, just a way to catch you up, we've talked about how Christ is the center of spiritual growth. Uh, for you to actually grow and connect with God, you can't detour around Jesus. Like you actually have to do uh, business with Jesus. You have to believe he is who he said he was. And as you, you make those, those moves towards him and as you get to know him better and you decide to give your whole life to him, uh, he becomes your boss, your leader, and that's how you become a Christian. And when you do that, like you, you really grow. And then we talked about how you grow through prayer, uh, communicating uh, to God, actually bringing him into a daily life, what you're facing, what you're going through. Instead of just mulling and stewing and processing by yourself, prayer is, God, I'm going to bring you in. And all of these things that I'm concerned about, I'm going to let you uh, know about. And the great thing with God is he already knows. But prayer is a lot about us remembering that. He knows, and I'm going to communicate to you about the things in my life. And then last week, we talked about the importance of daily time with God uh, through the scriptures. And many of you took a challenge, like, can I spend like seven minutes a day with God? And what would that look like for me to begin to do that and ask God to speak to me? Uh, prayer is us communicating with God. And really, when we open his word and we read the scriptures, it's him uh, communicating to us. We get to hear from God specifically with what we face in a relevant way that actually, again, changes us. And so today, we're going to take that step further of not just spending time with God, but what happens when we actually get God's Word into our life? Like, what are the things that, that we can do that God can continue to speak to us on a regular basis, even uh, if we don't necessarily have our Bible with us? And so that's why we're talking about this idea of Scripture a memory. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to hand you out flashcards and there's like some sort of a quiz. Anytime you think of that, you're like, memory, what on earth? But we tend to, to memorize the things that are important to us. 
Some of you remember like the first phone number you ever had, right? 393-7564. That was one of mine. Problem is I can't remember the area code, so it's useless to me. But that was one. And, and you know, we tend to memorize. We tend to focus on the things that are important to us. So today's message is, is, and sermon is like, how do we actually focus on the right kinds of things? And how do we ask God to kind of get us to that point where we can shift? But any, any baseball uh, fans out, out there? Okay. What are your teams? Like, what, what teams do you guys like? The Angels. So you get a break in October, right? If you're an Angels fan, get a little time. That's just too, that hurts, right? That's not even funny, Pastor. Uh, Dodgers, it's like it's busy for you guys, right? Dodger fans, do we have Dodger fans? Okay, some Angels. Who are the Angel fans here? After I said that, you're like, be quiet. Any other teams? What are, what are your teams? Oh, Welcome. Red Sox, any others? It's, it's your turn. Just let, it, let, let your fanatics out here. That's it? Okay. But October is the time that I really like to start uh, watching baseball. I'm not like one of those super fans that kind of watches all the games. There's a lot of games in baseball. But October, I think that's what I'm like a fair with it. Like I'm not a real fan is what you would call me. But October, it gets very interesting. But the thing about baseball and all sports, and you'll see in the playoffs as the, the stakes are even higher and as everyone is making strategies, uh, there's one thing that happens in baseball, which is one of the basics, but you forget about, and that's the importance of signs in baseball. And here's, here's a video of uh, a pitcher, or sorry, a catcher that's communicating the pitcher. Let's watch that. No one is on base, and Gary is giving Tanaka a sequence of signs. There's no one on. Usually when there's a runner on second, you think he's peeking in and trying to tell the hitter what's... So did you see that? What, what was he telling the pitcher to throw? Me neither. I have no idea. But it was a little, if you, if you blink, you miss it. It's a little like, hey, over here. No, it's there. Oh, oh. You guys didn't know I was a professional catcher. You guys didn't know that. I wasn't. I never played baseball in my life. But from my description, you're going to find that out real quick. Uh, but, but, you know, the pitcher is, is determining, based on what the catcher is saying, like, here's the kind of pitch that you need to throw for this batter. And they spend so much time knowing which batters are going to struggle with different types of pitches. And not only do they have to study the batters and the patterns, but then they have to know the right sign so that the pitcher knows what to throw. And so you got the catcher, you've got the pitcher, you've got the batter and what they do. And all of these things are happening. And in about three seconds, a sign is, is thrown. Do you throw a sign? That sounds a little gang related. You give a sign? Give it. You give it. You don't throw it. We don't throw signs here at Ridgeview. Uh, wow. Uh, here's, here's another one. Here's another clip. I think this is a third base coach. It's a highly second-guess position, that's for sure. And I think... <laughs> These clips were a lot better, like, at home when I was watching them. They're pretty short, but did you see what he was doing? He's, you know, you're not facing it, but he's just giving, you know, kind of the little... Yeah, it's just like charades. That's what I call it. But what's the point of a third base coach? What, what's he trying to do? Yeah, when to run, what to do in each uh, situation. And all these signs that are being given are situational based on uh, the flow of the game. And you're going to see that as things continue in baseball and the playoffs. And it, like these are really important. Well, as we're digging into like the basis of Christianity, these are our tools uh, just like you see in a baseball, these are tools that, that God gives us, which in a way is him saying, like, you, you pay attention 
watch these things. And his scripture, specifically what we're talking about today, scripture memory is, is the idea of like God wants to speak to you, but scripture memory is memorizing God's word so that you have these tools at your disposal at, at any point. So when you're facing a situation, um, any of you guys get stressed out at work, right? It's easy. You get stressed out at work. Any of you struggle with a people that you work with, your coworkers, like they frustrate you. You guys are getting all nervous now, like, you know. Yeah, we, we do. Anyone have problems with your boss? Yeah. In work alone. Now, how many of you get stressed out at home? Okay, thank you. Yeah, home is stressful. Work is stressful. What about driving? Oh, yeah. Oh, whoa, we got we to gotta cheer. Uh, yeah, we find ourselves in so many facets of, of life that are stressful, and it's interesting, you go to work, and sometimes depending on what's happening at home, you go to work, and work is your reprieve, right? If home is stressful, you can go to work, and you can get a break. And then sometimes work is stressful, and you go home, and you get a break from work by being at home. But then there's times in life where you find wherever you go, it's stressful, and you can't get a break. The reason I bring that up is all of the times we're facing difficulties and challenges, and for the most part, if you're a follower of Christ, you want to do what God says, But for the most part, you're not walking in the grocery store or you're not walking into your workplace with your Bible in one hand just looking at everybody. God's going to speak to me, and I know it based on what you say. I'm going to open this thing so I know how to respond to you. Like, it's super awkward. You don't do that. And with driving, you know, you you can't have your, your Bible, like, you can't read it. So there's so many situations where uh, we don't necessarily have God's word at our disposable, like we can open it and read it in all of these high-stake, stressful situations. But God is with us all the time. So there's kind of a disconnect there, and that's what Scripture memory is. It's how do you get God's Word into your life so that the truth of His Scriptures and God's Word can actually be in a place where it can help you. And Scripture memory is very uh, difficult and so what I'm talking about today is something that's like not just you throw it out there and it's like, let's all do it. it. It actually takes a great deal of commitment. I don't know how you guys were as students, but I was the type of person that I could do very well. I could cram for a test. I could memorize all the facts and I could just like explode it onto the test. And then like five minutes after, somebody would ask me of the very question and I would have no idea. Any of you guys relate to that? It's like short-term memory. You can just memorize it, it's locked in, but then like five minutes later, you don't remember it at all. So God's word, some of it is connected to even how we learn, but God's word is supposed to be the type of thing that we actually can lock it in and we can have it for weeks. And those weeks can turn into months and those months can turn into years. But the only way that happens is if if you're committed to it. So what I'm talking about today is it takes, I think, an even further commitment of discipline. And you may consider yourself a disciplined person, you may not, but it does take discipline. But what I hope to do in today is just to give you the, the fact that the discipline and the things that you, you do to get God's word in your life, uh, they f- the, the discipline doesn't measure to the benefit that, that you'll get. And that's the thing with anything. Like, the discipline is hard, but what's the benefit of choosing to be disciplined? And it's the same with, with spiritual issues. It's the same with, with God's word. Um, I like this statement. This is an old Uh, philosopher, G.K. Chesterton, and this is what he said about Christianity. He says, Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. And I think that's a lot in our life. 
uh, we can have a picture of something that we think God wants us to do. Uh, it could be even following him. And you may, not, you may be on the fence about that. Like, I don't know if I really want to follow God. I don't really know if I want to follow Jesus. And there's some difficulty there. There's some maybe projections of what we think God will ask us to do. And oftentimes we think, like, if that's what he's going to ask me to do, even if he hasn't asked you to do that, you don't want to do it. And what G.K. Chesterton is saying is there's this fundamental thing in life where we, we end up looking at all the things that we think will happen or the problems that we're going to encounter, and then we choose not to do it. It's like answering for God. Before we know, we just say, well, no, it's going to be too difficult. He's going to ask me to do these, these things, and I just I don't know if I'm going to be able to do them. That's a lot like spiritual discipline. It's actually, if you commit to do it, um, you experience growth that you can't experience if you don't make that commitment. But oftentimes, we don't experience the growth because we, we don't commit to it. And you find that again and again and again in every facet of life. And our hope here at Ridgeview is we don't become the people that leave things untried. We want to be the kind of people that, like, with a can-do attitude, God, if you want us to do this, we will do it. If you call us forward, we're going to do it. No one else may do it, but we're going to do it. And that is the type of thing that you have to commit to if, if you want to grow as a Christian. It's easy to get stuck. It's easy to get caught stagnant. And oftentimes, you're actually never stagnant. You're moving forward or you're moving backwards. And so we want to be the kind of people like, let's move forward. Let's try to continue to grow. Uh, another way of saying this is this. Following Christ uh, is hard, but not following is harder. And I know there's many of you today that could, like, that could be your life story. Like following Christ is actually very difficult. And I think one of the things in the church is we don't speak about that enough. So what we tend to kind of gloss over is that we, we kind of come across like this thing's easy, but we're not necessarily dealing with our will. We're not dealing with uh, our hearts. We're not dealing with our minds. It's like, yeah, following's easy, but, but we're not necessarily getting to the core of like, well, are you following him in this area? And are you following him in this circumstance? Are you following him with this person in this situation? And you have to keep going down and layer after layer into the God, you can have it all. But when you get to that point, it's, it's tough. But for those of you who decided to follow Christ, you can look at your past life and you can see, you know what, it's hard to be disciplined. But when I look at my, what my life was without Jesus, I would never turn back. And all of us should have that experience. And we have this world in our community and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers that they're not following Christ and their life is hard. And so as we're calling them to follow Jesus and we tell them about him, we're actually giving them hope that they long for but they, they can't find. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But their life will actually be so much more blessed because of what God wants to do. So let's dig in. Memorizing, that's the first point. Memorizing God's word is key to obedience. If you want to obey uh, repeatedly and in every situation you, you face, you have to make a commitment to this. Now, this could be totally new to you, this idea of like memorizing God's word. And so wherever you are, I, I think it will be a help. But obedience and having scripture in your life and on your heart, uh, those, those two are connected. Because what you find is obedience happens every day or a choice to obey or disobey or to move God's direction or move my way, there's always this battle going on. That's why following Christ is hard. 
There's always a battle. But if you want to choose God's ways, you need to know what God's ways are. The only way to know God's ways is to actually have his word that's in your heart. And there's two uh, main ways that it helps with obedience, memorizing scripture. And here's the first one. It guards us against sin. Sin is at the core of all of life. The good thing is, is God has done exactly what we need to battle sin, and he sent Jesus to forgive us, to pay the penalty for our sin. And when you choose to follow him, like you accept like that payment, his sacrifice on our, on our behalf, but we still struggle with sin every day. It could be external, what we do. It could be the things that we think, things that we worry about, but we, we, we battle this. But what the scriptures say, check this out in Psalm 119. This is, this is really interesting. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So storing up God's word in your heart, there's a sense of like, it is a part of me. It is this perspective that I, that I can hold on to. It's, it's what I can kind of lean on. And the way I, the way I see it, and I, I, I talked about this a lot, like the seeing the traps. There's a lot of traps that exist in life where you want to make a choice in a situation. And the easiest thing you think would be like anger. Like, I need to let this person have it because they wronged me. But the way that you don't sin, because you can get to the point where like, if you do that and you pay them back and you get revenge, that's sin. And that could lead to just dire consequences. But if you get to the point where you've stored God's word and you know how to react in anger because of what God's word says. You now have a different option. And so that guarding against sin is directly connected to the fact that God's word will give me a different reflex. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to struggle. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be at that crossroads deciding what my choice will be. But now I have a reference outside of myself more than just what I feel. You guys ever done something just... Like, in the moment, based on your feelings, and you thought, wow, that was a really big mistake. Yeah, we're not going to have confession time. (laughs) But I think we all know. Just because you feel it, or you think it, there's often times you need, whoa, you need to calm down. Don't you do that. But it's hard, because if you feel it, and if you think it, guess what? You want to do it. That's how it is. Makes sense to you. So you need God's word that counters that feeling, that counters that thought that says, actually, don't, don't do that. And that's where God is our father. He, he coaches us. He helps us. And he brings God's word in the moment of what we face. So it guards against sin. The second, and this is really helpful as well, it leads us to progress and, and wisdom. So if you think about God's word and memorizing it, it's first a place of like defense, Okay, I deflect the falsehood and the lies of my situation. I deflect the falsehood and lies of of this person or even my own view of myself, my identity. I deflect what is not true. And it can guard you against those thinking, those thoughts, those actions. But then the second part, the progress and wisdom is now, how do you move forward to actually take steps where growth happens? Uh, Defense is helpful, but you need to... You know, offense, like you need to move forward. You need to make progress. And there's a helpful passage for me that this, this is written to uh, 
or commanded really to Joshua after he took over from Moses. This is in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. If you've never read that story, Moses had led the Israelites, and he was the same guy that God spoke to out of the burning bush, like, you are going to go to Egypt to free my people out of slavery. And Moses is like, I don't think so. Like, I, I can't really speak. I, you got the wrong guy. And, and no, no, I'm with you. You go and you do it. And, and he was a part of releasing, and he led the people through the Red Sea. That was split. God miraculously made a way. And they were freed from slavery. And he used Moses, an ordinary man, to do extraordinary things. Well, as Moses was getting older and he was about to die, they needed a successor, and it was Joshua who'd been his right-hand man. So if you could imagine, Joshua is taking over, and we've done this at church, like put ourselves in that circumstance. It'd be overwhelming. It'd be so uh, stressful. You'd be thinking of comparing, like, how can I compare to the one who freed all of us, and you want me to lead now? I don't think so. Like, where's that Red Sea? Can I walk through with the people behind me? Like, that will add to my credibility. You can imagine all the scenarios and all the fears. So God knew this, and he he gave him this command, like, you be strong, you be courageous. And then he goes on, and he says this, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So if you can imagine all the things that at your core you, you feel incompetent about. And I'm sure in your life, uh, do you have things that you feel like, I, I'm not up to that challenge. I don't know what I'm doing. Any of you? Yeah, we all do. There's situations like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. It's beyond my understanding, and it's super complex. Uh, my wife and I were just talking about our lives, and, and there's just things like, like, sometimes I don't even have the brain space to think. It's like, I don't know. And my kids will ask a question. I don't know if you've been there. This is for you parents, but your kids ask you a question, and you're hearing the words that they're saying. And I'm like, I don't even understand what you're talking about. And then they keep saying it again. I'm like, I know you said it again, but I still don't understand. And it's just because I'm like, I'm just not there. My mind is in a different place. And that happens a lot. It's like, I'm not even here. I'm somewhere else. It's hard to grow somewhere else because you are here. That was philosophical right there. <laughs> we, just, we got into like time-space continuum right there. But anyways, uh, you know, Joshua is just, I'm sure, just swirling and swirling and swirling. You know, be strong, be courageous. But then it's this. There's something about God's word that is tied in. Like you can't just be strong and be courageous and everything will come together. This is that part of like you need to be careful. You need to be careful to do what God says. And the word meditate there is, is really interesting. In Hebrew, um, it, it means to like to moan, to growl, to, to utter, to, to speak. Now, I don't know like the growling part, but it's this idea like it's just, it's on your, it, it's on your mindset where you're just, you're having to keep saying it, like the truth. You need to keep saying it, you need to keep saying it, you need to keep saying it, because if you don't, you're, you're just going to go off course. It's like, that. I just need to keep saying it and keep saying it. I need to have it just on my mind and keep telling myself uh, the truth. You say it over and over. Now, meditation in Christianity is very different than meditation in most Eastern religions. Uh, in, in yoga and other Eastern religions, a lot of meditation is you need to empty yourself to get to what? Nothing. 
realize that's a question. You're like, I'm not going to, I don't know what he's even talking about. But you, you have to get to nothing. And so meditation is, is empty, 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 and then at nothing, then you're, you're in a good state. A few things for me. It's very difficult for me to get to nothing because there's always something. <laughs> right when I'm there, like, oh, no, what about that? Okay, get to nothing. But then the other thing is, is what does nothing help you with? No, I'm not saying that. I don't know. You know, I don't know. But nothing is nothing. So what do I do with nothing? There you guys go. Are you guys ready? Go with God. You're dismissed. No. Um, but but the Christianity and like God's word and what's written in the Old Testament is like you actually can't get to nothing. You have to think of something, and that something needs to be the truth. You have to speak, and you have to think of what is specific. And so that meditation is like you have to chew on God's word. You can't get to nothing. You need substance. You need reality. You need the truth. Because why? Because you're all messed up. And you don't need to empty yourself. You actually need something that you can build on that will help you, that will help you move forward. And so saying like med- meditate and don't let that book depart from your mouth. You, you meditate on it. Now, the next uh, says this. Uh, so that you'll be able, I think it's highlighted, so that you'll be able, maybe careful to do according to all uh, that, that is written. And this comes out in two ways. So if you're careful to do all that's written, there's a few things that happen. So careful to do is means like I'm paying attention to what God says. And the way I pay attention is like I've meditated on it. Again, I, I have something. I have God's word. Like there's something I'm thinking about. And then it goes on. Like first, like you'll... It'll make your way uh, prosperous there. And that literally means the word prosperous is to push forward. So if you think specifically about the truth in a situation, uh, you're able to push forward. I don't know about you. Some of the biggest struggles in my life is where I feel like I'm stuck. Like I can't push forward. I don't know the way forward. I don't know how to get ahead. I don't know how to move past the situation. I'm limited in my understanding and my abilities, and I feel stuck. I think that's one of the worst feelings, right? Feeling stuck. Like you're, you're just there. So what God's word is saying is you get to these points where you're stuck and you're against this wall of your understanding. You're against this wall of your abilities, maybe your desires, maybe just who you are. And what God's word is, it allows you to push beyond it. Because now you're seeing what's really going on. God's word clarifies it. It kind of shines light when you, when you can't. Uh, see it. And then it says also that you will have good uh, success. And that's an interesting uh, idea. What's success according to our culture? What do you guys think? How would you consider somebody successful? Money? Now, it's funny. You, you don't, we don't walk around with t-shirts that have like our bank accounts on them, right? We don't do that. So how do you know if somebody has money? like what they have, right? So success is often tied to what people have. And then if you can't see what they have, maybe what they talk about. Like they're, they're giving you that, their, their, their credibility, like here, here is how good I am. But what else makes somebody successful in our culture? A title? Popular? Beautiful people. What is it? Likes. Yeah, like, do they have a presence? 
following. Did you ever notice, like, this is, I don't know if we're ever going to be on here, but you go through, like, the check stands at, uh, you know, the grocery stores. Just pay attention to who's on the front cover. That's what's important. They're not selling you what's not important. And have you ever looked at that and you're like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. It catches your eye. And what, you know, the commercials are, what you're being sold, that's what's important. It's all strategy. It's like, here's what's important, and we hope it's important to you so that you will check this out. But according to Scripture, um, success is very different. It's not the American dream. It's actually to be prudent and to act wisely. To be prudent and to to act wisely. And and wisdom, I just want to walk through this uh, briefly. So good success, prudent, and, and wisdom. There's three dimensions of wisdom. Wisdom always does that which is, there's three points. First, towards God. So wisdom has a certain uh, relationship to God, and it's always righteous. So as I'm making a decision, the question is like, is this right before God? Uh, what pleases him? It lines up with his character and will as revealed in the Bible. So if you're wondering, like, I need to push forward the first question, if you're a Christ follower, should be like, is this right before God? Like, is this decision and what I'm about to do what he would approve of? So God's everywhere, right? He's always watching. But I've often thought in my life, like, but if I could really see him, like, right next to me and somebody said something that I didn't like, I'd be like, all right, God, I'm going to be careful here. But that really is reality. He is here and he is watching. And if you want to be wise, you're always considering what is God's view of this situation, of my attitude, of how I'm handling this person, of how I'm responding to stress and conflict. Towards God, it's righteous. The second uh, dimension is towards people, uh, just. Equitable treatment of others, rewarding right, punishing wrong, and giving to each person what he is due without partiality, but mixing justice with, with mercy. That We all have people uh, that... That we like. Do you know that? You hear those people, like, they just get me. Then we all have people that we like, eh, they don't get me. People that we're comfortable with, people that we're not. We learn this at a really young age. But what's interesting is like this happens in adulthood. We're a little bit more sophisticated. But if you want to be wise, you have to act justly towards people, which is like, I'm not going to show favoritism. And I'm not going to treat you in a way that goes against who God has made you, like your, your identity, like you are made in the image of God. You have value. I can't take value from you. So I'm very careful what I say about you. I'm very careful what I think about you. Because if you think about it, you're God's daughter, you're God's son. I need to be very careful. Because do you want people talking about your kids? You mama bears, I see you. You know what I'm talking about. But nobody, you know, you don't want anyone bad-mouthing your kids. It's the same with God. So towards people, you, you, you need to be just. Here's the thing. There's a lot of talk about this in our culture. It's not really just. Everyone wants justice, and everyone wants righteousness, unless it means you have to do something that you don't want to do. So these are buzzwords. We, we all talk about it, but just Oftentimes, it means if you want to know what's just, sacrifice. Put others in front of you, and you're probably on your way. Give people freedom. Don't demand. You're probably on your way. Love them. Think the best. You're probably on your way. 
Choose goodwill, serve, you're probably on your way. That's what justice is, a little smidgen of it. And then the third dimension is this, towards goal, I'm prudent. And this is you exercise good judgment in the choice of a goal and the application of resources to achieve it both in timing and procedures. That's like, man, that's a school sentence right there. But the idea is, is, is prudent, like I, I'm actually going to do things that make sense according to how life works. I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not just going to react emotionally. And all of these things go together, and this is what makes wisdom wise. There's three things. Here's the thing. When you make snap decisions based on your own gut, your own feelings, your own desires, very rarely do you consider the three dimensions of wisdom. You think the one dimension, dimension of me like, what do I want? And then I'm going to do it. But what God's word is, it's, it's a way of it shines the light on the things that are going on. Well, what's right? You need God's word that speaks to that. And what's just? You need God's word to speak to that. And what's prudent? You need God's word to speak to that. Those are the three dimensions. And so when it says you'll be successful, we have a view in our life like we're going to get what we want. That could be true. But it's going to go through what's right towards God with others and the goal. And so you, you want to keep that in mind. That, that's really helpful uh, to me. Uh, Max Anders, uh, he, he, he wrote this. He, he's written a lot of books on how to grow spiritually. And he said this, to avoid the unnecessary cost of undiscipleship. That means to not really be learning and growing as a follower of Christ. Uh, we must know the Bible so well that we think of its truth and apply them in life's situations. So what he's saying is, is if you really want to understand what it means to grow as a disciple of Jesus... You're facing a situation, and God's word speaks to you for what you should do. You ever had somebody that told you something, and it like really, it stuck with you? Like it was maybe like a, a good saying. You're like, man, that, that was helpful. When I, when I was in high school, I was part of student government and leadership, and we had a, we had a car show. And I was like a classic uh, high school student. I just thought, you know, I'm leading this thing, so I'll just show up late because that makes sense. It didn't make any sense, but I was in high school, and I just couldn't be bothered. So I show up to this car show, and I'm supposed to be like helping coordinate and set up, and the teacher, who's the leader of the student government, says, you know, comes to me, and he's like, well, you decided to, to show up, Alex. And I just, you know, looked at him, and I said, hey, better late than never. <laughs> you know, I felt pretty good about myself, like, at least I'm here. At least I made my presence known. And he just looked at me and he said, well, better never late. And I was just really excited. And then he said that and I was like, I don't even know if that makes sense. What's he saying, better never late? And I, and I, and I think I looked perplexed and he said it again. You say better late than never, I say better never late. You know, thanks for sharing. And I just went on my way. And you know what, since that time, that has stuck with me again and again and again. So when I find situations and I have this sense of like, well, at least I made it. At least I did the minimum. What he's saying is actually, what if you set a standard that's higher than normal? And that's actually really helped me in life. But he was just a teacher that I had in high school. We have a God who has the way the world works and he knows everything about us, and he is just ready to give us what we need in the moment. And that's what Max Anders is talking about. You can face a situation where God's word can speak to you, and you'll know what to do. 
But God doesn't work like a magician. There's free will. He's not just going to bring scripture to you that you don't know. He could, but it wouldn't be a spiritual discipline. You can't meditate on something you don't know. So oftentimes God doesn't bring like a verse that you've never learned. He brings the scriptures that you know to you in the moment. The issue is if you've only got one scripture, that's not necessarily going to help you with everything. One of the first scriptures I ever memorized was John 3, 16. You guys know that one? You know, it's at the, the sports, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's hard to use that, though, on the freeway when I'm really mad at somebody. I mean, I could, for God so loved you, you know, but, but really I need something that's a little, that kind of freaks you out, I could tell. Uh, you need something that speaks a little bit more to maybe anger, not reacting. And there's scriptures to that. But you, but you, have, to, you have to chew and, and you, have to, you have to make that choice to get that into, into your life. And so the next point here is obeying God is always a battle. Again, what we're talking about. To have God's word that's available in life situations, like it's going to be a battle. We all have our like, go-to uh, reflexes. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but if, if you've never read Matthew chapter 4, this is before Jesus is kind of getting ready for his, his public ministry, and he takes this time to fast and pray, and he's uh, tempted by Satan. And so if you can imagine, like, you're at kind of your, your most vulnerable, you know, spot, like, he's not eating, he's not drunk, and he's, he's in need, and he's not in a good, you know, place. Like, any of you get, like, hangry, Right? That's what, like, that's how it is for me. Like, if I'm tired, I'm hungry, like, watch out. And so the enemy knows this, and he's thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to do all I can to get Jesus off track. And check out what he says. As the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, which he was, uh, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Very interesting. The reason things are a battle is the enemy knows who you are. He knows your, your patterns. He knows your trouble spots. Now, he's not all-knowing. But him and his army, the legions of demons, they know temptation. They know lies. Why? Because that's what they are. And so they know exactly what to do to get you off track. And they are going to push every button they can. You think about that. Satan did that with Jesus, the Son of God. He'll do it to us too. But he answered, it is written, this is Jesus speaking, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's the proposal. Listen, you're powerful. You're the son of God. See how the enemy's like getting in there like, you are. You can do exactly what you need to do. You can do anything you want. You're hungry. You tell these stones to make bread and then you can eat it. Very interesting. The battle was on. And again, Jesus hadn't eaten. He's hungry. It's exactly what he wants, I'm sure, in that situation. But he quotes uh, scripture. And he tells him, like, listen, that's, that's not how it works. And he goes to what he knew of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8, 3. And you see this quotation, but he, is writ- but he had answered, it is written. It was written in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Actually, there's more that's going on than just man living off of bread. Very interesting thinking about success. There's more than just me getting what I want in a situation. Actually, I can get to the point where God will give me the nourishment I need, and it's not food. It's truth. 
So Jesus is setting an example. There's going to be so many things that you want to do and the way that you want to do it and your reflex and your attitude and your flesh and just this battle. But God's word has a way of saying, stop, don't do it. Don't do that. There's a better way. And that's what Jesus is quoting. And if you never read that, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, just see this story unfold. It's a great picture of the battle. But what Jesus did repeatedly was he took the temptation, which represented a real desire and a need that we would all have. But he raised the stakes. Actually, that's not completely true. You're speaking to something which has some truth, but my word is completely true. And that's oftentimes where the battles are. There's just kind of like little off-truths. It seems good. It seems reasonable. It seems like it makes sense. But the only way you can distinguish good from evil is if you know the truth. You have to know what God's word says. Again, following Christ is hard, but, but not following is harder. Uh, for me personally, uh, when I was in high school, I think the first time this came alive to me was when uh, my, my dad and I, we, we had a relationship, which we had a very good like son-father relationship. But there were times where he would get angry and upset, and then I would get angry and upset. And we had a relationship which was sometimes just filled with like exasperation. You ever been in those, like, those moments in your life where somebody asks you to do something, you're like, <laughs> I can't do it. You know, you're so tired. Like, could you pass the salt? <sighs> you want salt? You know, I exaggerate, but you know what I'm talking about if you've been in those spots where you're just like, I can't do anything to help you right now. And, you know, my dad and I, we had these moments where it's like we weren't cutting each other any slack, and it, we just, we weren't seeing eye to eye. And we went to a, a conference, and a man uh, was speaking about uh, anger and frustration and, and how to be the type of men, uh, a lot of men, most men struggle with anger, but how to be the type of men that don't let, like, anger define you, and you don't, like, blow up real relationships out of anger, and it was very helpful. It was kind of the first time I was like, man, I think he's speaking to me. And God's, God does that. Like God's word speaks to you and what you need to hear. And he just spent the whole time, it's like 45 minutes, talking about James 1.19. And that was like the first verse that I remember memorizing after John 3.16. So now I had like another tool in my arsenal. John 3.16 was very helpful. God's love, plan of salvation. But James 1.19 gave me different perspective. It says this, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. And then verse 20 goes on, you know, for the, the anger of man does not bring the righteousness of God. But in that moment when he spoke, I was like, that's exactly what I need. Why? Because for me, I'm quick to speak and I'm slow to listen. I'm the opposite. Like I can give you something to say. And, and my dad and I, we just looked at each other and was like, you need to memorize that verse. I'll never forget, it was like this super like bonding like, moment with my dad. And it, it was just over one verse, but it was, that's what God does. It's like you need a truth, and you need him to help you. You need to be honest with what you're dealing with, and then God's word speaks to you, and you're like, that's exactly what I need. That's not only what I need to hear, that's what I need to do. And my dad and I, we still, to this day, talk about that moment. And that's what God does. He wants to speak to you with what you're facing. What, what, what you're dealing with. And it will help you. 
And so there's many times in my life where I'm facing a situation, James 1.19 comes to my mind, okay? Am I, am I taking note of this? If you think about the beginning of it. Take note of this means pay attention. So if you're in that mode where you're wanting to react, the scriptures is take note, watch out, pause, slow down. That's actually very helpful in conflict. If you just do the first part of James 1.19, take note of this, like pay attention. And it starts with being quick to what? Listen. If you will hear people and not be so quick to want to respond, you actually can care for them. And if you're quick to listen, you ever have a conflict and you say, you know what, I hear what you're saying. The other person's like, wait, no, what? You do? What? Because often it's like, I'm quick to speak, you're quick to speak. Then I'm quick to speak back. Then I'm speaking back to your speaking back. And that's most conflict. But if you're quick to listen, you diffuse everyone trying to get their own way. You know, I hear what you're saying. So you're saying that, and you could repeat back what they said. So you're saying when I said that, I was harsh with you, and that really discouraged you. Well, yes, that's exactly what happened. But that's what God's word does. It speaks to you and it gives you a different a reflex. So in, in closing, God wants to speak to you. But the way he speaks to you is you have to dig into God's word. So uh, there's some tips that I put at the, the end of the handout but that you could see. I'm not going to spend a ton of time uh, going there, but there's some tips for scripture memory where you can begin. It, it actually doesn't have to be uh, crazy uh, difficult. You can start by, you could get a piece of paper and you could just cut little pieces, and you've got the beginning steps of Scripture memory. Just get a card, like a flash card. Get a piece of paper and cut it, and then start with Scriptures that we're talking about on Sunday. Like, I need to learn more about that. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles available. And so you need a Bible, and then you need a resource for which you can memorize. There's also apps, like if you, you know, paper. I don't use paper. They have apps where, like, there's Quizlet, that's an app that you can use for school, but you can use it for scripture. And just on one side of the flashcard, you put the reference. On the other side, you put the verse. And then what happens is, like, there may be some things that you're needing to learn, like, I need to learn about patience. And so you memorize a set of verses and patience, and you have, like, a thematic thing. Like, in your life, when you're feeling impatient and reactive, God's word can speak to you. And so I encourage you, like, take, take this step. What would happen? If you decided for like the next three weeks, I'd memorize one verse. And so I have three verses now that I could use as tools to help me with what I'm facing. Do you think that can make a difference? I think it could. And even in my own life, as, as I was prepping for this sermon, I went back to my Quizlet app where I have scriptures and I began to look at them and I just kept thinking, oh man, I need that. But you know what? I'd forgotten it. Oh, man, I need that, and I've forgotten it. So it's the type of thing you have to just keep going back to again and again. So here's some next steps. Guess what the first one is? Memorize a scripture. I've given you your first one if you've never memorized a verse, and it's this. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's a challenge, but it's a promise. It will guard you against sin. So you just write Psalm 119.11 and then the verse on the other side and you just quiz and quiz and quiz. 
Uh, the next next step is uh, commit to memorizing uh, one scripture a week for the next three weeks. So I've given you one, Psalm 119.11. If you never memorize Jim's 119, you can memorize that next week. But over the course of like the next three weeks, what if you had three verses that you could memorize? Now, here's an added next step. If you're thinking like, I don't know the Bible, I don't know what verses, like Genesis 1.1, that may be like, that's all I know. That could help you a little bit, but there's a lot more tools. So we'll send you a resource. So on your connection card, write like, send me resources. And what we'll do is we'll send you a list where you can look it up on the, a website and find like, here's all scriptures related to different themes. And you could just choose some verses, like I'm struggling with anger, I'm struggling with patience, I'm struggling with comparison, I'm struggling with fear, whatever it is, God wants to speak to you. And so you begin to read it and store it in your heart, and you'll begin to change. So, make sense? What I'd love, love, just let me know. Like if you, in the next couple weeks, if you've memorized the scripture, I'd love for you to come up and say, Alex, I'm starting to memorize the scripture and tell me. I'd love that, to be the type of church that we're sharing what God's word is speaking to us, and we can share it with each other openly. And what God will do, as you store up his word, God will bring you people in your life that need to hear that. You can't share it if you don't know it. And so imagine all the different people that could be blessed because God has spoken to you, and you can share that with them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together, and like we've talked about, just being able to gather in your name is a gift. And we start our week saying we, we need you. We, left to our own resources and our own understanding, we, we're so limited, and we come up short. But your word speaks to us, and it's specific, and it tells us what we need. So I pray for for anyone here that that they'll begin to memorize uh, Scripture. God, we do want to store your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. Uh, We do want to make progress. We do want to experience success. So God, will you just start by giving us desire? It's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy sometimes to be bored. But God, will you give us a desire for your truth? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.